Moving Iron Podcast is proud to be part of the Global Ag Network. The network is going live soon, so check out globalagnetwork.com for more details and updates. Now on to the show. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving Iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast Tax Moves with Glenn Birnbaum. Glenn, how you doing, buddy? Hey, good, KC. Good deal, buddy. Hey, uh, survived the cold weather, did you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're warming back up now, so, yeah. So you about had about, about 120 degrees swing in temperatures between, uh, what, Wednesday and Sunday? Pretty close, yeah. Hopefully it'll, you know, get some of the ground ground to tilt up and yeah. get a little some of that compaction out you know so that's crazy it's it that cold to that warm that fast so that's, that's nuts yeah definitely nuts okay so today we were talking about it you you posted something out on twitter the other day it caught my attention it's called 163j and it was interest limitation deduction yeah. and uh when you were kind of going back and forth on that and it really kind of kind of struck a chord with me a little bit so Glenn, explain what that is and yeah. how that works yeah yeah, it's, uh, you know, this is probably, you know, the 199A code section has gotten a lot of press, and right, rightly so. Um, but the other big one is 163J, which is an interest limitation uh, concept that for the first time, really pretty much ever for a kind of your normal businesses, you might not be able to deduct all of your interests. And um, it's, a, it's actually one of the biggest revenue raisers, you know, from the perspective of the U.S. government is that they're disallowing a portion of your interest. It's one of the biggest revenue raisers in the, in the tax bill, actually. And the good thing is it generally only applies to businesses that have over $25 million in sales. So it's a pretty high threshold, um, but it obviously would apply a lot to, you know, for example, farm equipment dealers, you know, car dealers that type of thing that, you know, have a lot of inventory and, and, you know, have a lot of interest. So 25 million is the threshold though. So it's pretty high, like for farmers, you know, most farmers aren't going to be at 25 million. Um, we've talked about this a few times before. Um, there's always an exception, Casey. So you can actually be subject to these rules if you're considered a tax shelter. We did a podcast on this. Um, a tax shelter mainly means you have a loss during the year. And more than 35% of your losses get allocated to owners who are uh, not really that active in the business. So again, may not come up too much. Um, but if you have a true like passive owner that's no, you know, not your not not a family member or something, you could actually get hit with this even if you're under 25 million in gross receipts or 25 million in sales. So um, unfortunately, we're we're having to deal with this right now. Um, it, it's kind of got just on the back burner. There's a public hearing at the end of the month here in February, but um, we're having to kind of, you know, look at returns right now and figure out how do we apply these rules. There's, there's over 450 pages for these rules. Um, it, it's crazy, the details on this. It's really insane. So we thought we'd talk a little bit more about how this works, in particular, like for a farm equipment dealer or, or somebody that has a lot of uh, floor plan financing. Gotcha. So just a little light reading for the weekend, get knock out those 450 pages right. and be ready to go by Monday, right? Yep. 
Yeah, and they've you know they've been out since the end of November, so you know oh, they had plenty of time. We've had then. Plenty of time to look at them. Yeah, good so, to go. Uh, um, okay, so, so let's, yeah, so okay, so let me throw out a scenario um, to you here. We'll throw out some scenarios. Yeah. Okay, so if I'm a I'm a farm equipment dealership, I've got a uh, I got a floor plan of whatever twenty five million bucks, right? Um, yep. All that is either. Well, it's it's all inventory that I either have. It's used inventory, or or it might be yep. also maybe half new, half used type of stuff. So I got I got twenty five million dollars laying out there. What what are some of the uh, scenarios that I'm looking at here as an equipment dealership? Yeah. So again, they put a special exception in that said, "Hey, we're going to give you a break if you have a lot of floor. You know, if you're a type of business that has a lot of pays a lot of interest, it's just part of your operation, right? And it's floor plan financing, you know, and it's it's so it's for inventory." Um, generally speaking, it's, uh, motor vehicles is the definition. And then a motor vehicle is either a self-propelled vehicle, you know, designed for transporting people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's also boats and it's also farm machinery and equipment. So you want to be kind of part of this exception because we'll get into this, but basically they say, Hey, if you have floor plan financing, basically floor plan interest is fully deductible. Um, so there's a catch. We'll get to that later. Okay. But notably, construction equipment is not considered a motor vehicle. Um, you had asked the question on the podcast several months ago that what about construction equipment that is used by a farmer? They actually addressed that question in the in the proposed regs and said, no, we're not going to consider that. So farm equipment is good. Floor plan interest is good. They have a special rule that says, yes, you can deduct it 100%, but there's one catch. And the catch is, you would not be eligible to take bonus depreciation on any property that the dealership um, placed in service. So maybe you don't have a whole lot of equipment, but if you're leasing, so it's either inventory that you're held, held for sale, you know, it's available for sale, right? Or you're leasing it, either one. So if you're leasing equipment, you would not be able to take bonus depreciation. You know, if you've got, you know, vehicles that you know your salesmen are using you would not be able to take bonus appreciation you know if you um have certain maybe potentially leasehold improvements that you're doing to the property you wouldn't be able to take bonus appreciation but i think as a general rule that they said well most dealers are going to be okay not taking bonus appreciation because they said you know well man i'm sure this was negotiated you know Hey, we'll, we'll, we'll give on this as long as we can deduct a hundred percent of our floor plan interest. Okay. All right. So when you say, mo- okay, so I just want to make sure I understand this correctly, just so it's clear. Yeah. Okay. You said anything motorized, right? So if I'm a farm equipment. Self-propelled vehicle, yeah. Designed for transporting people. So presumably a motorcycle would count. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, what about like a, like a planner or a disc? Or a okay, it says, um, well, farm machinery and equipment count. Okay, so it's a blanket Considered a motor vehicle. Them. Okay, so anything um, about that counts, right? Yeah, it's not. So it's a good, I mean, they, luckily there's a special provision that um, is in place, but along with that, it, this is a, I should have mentioned this, this is a permanent election. Like as soon as you... Um, oh, sorry. No, I'm wrong on that. There's for the farming business. We talked about a farming business gets, um, gets an option to opt out of these rules if they want to, if, you know, if they're over 25 million, that's a permanent election, um, that you make the, the floor plan interest is an annual thing. So if, if you can actually pass the test, 
So we didn't really get into this. The, the general rule is it's going to be 30% of EBITDA. So if you're not, a, don't have any special rules, you know, you're not a, don't have floor plan interest, you're over 25 million in revenue. It's going to be 30% of EBITDA, which is earning before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. You take that number, you take it times 30%. That's all the interest you can deduct. The rest carries over. So it's not a terrible thing. It's not like you lose it, but it carries over. So 30% of EBITDA um, is what you have to deal with. So in, in other words, you, you, you get to add back interest, right, in order to calculate this number. Um, but for construction equipment, you don't, you don't get this rule. Remember that. Farm machinery, you do get the rule. But if you want to say, well, I don't want to follow the rule because I want to take bonus depreciation, there still might be a chance. This is where it gets real complicated. Basically, instead of adding back all interest, you would only add back um, your non-floor plan interest, right? So if you had debt on, you know, a building or something, you, you would get to add that interest back, run through the calculation. You say, well, you know what? There's an extra thirty-five, you know, thousand dollars of interest that I could deduct because I, I have enough income, right? My thirty percent calculation. So I've got an extra cushion of thirty-five thousand dollars. Then you could say, okay. I can deduct then $35,000 of the floor plan interest. So maybe it helped to go through just a quick example how this works. I was just using some rough numbers. You got you only have $100,000 of net profit, okay? $75,000 of that is depreciation. So if you go and do the non-special rule, you say, well, I got $175,000 of EBITDA because I, I don't get to add back any interest because all my interest I got $300,000 of floor plan interest and all that, that's the only interest I have. So I was figuring, Casey, you know, $300,000 of floor plan interest is like $7.5 million inventory times 4%, you know, just, just kind of a rough number. But anyway, I would only be able to add back depreciation because I have no other interest. So $100,000 of my profit plus $75,000 of depreciation is $175,000. I take that times 30%. And I can only deduct fifty-two thousand dollars, fifty-two thousand five hundred of my of my interest. Not very much. The other two hundred forty-seven thousand five hundred in this example would carry over. So it's a big deal, right? If you're not making much money net, but you got a lot of floor plan interest, two hundred forty-seven five would carry over. So that's why they didn't really want this to happen because that's just too much to not be able to deduct. So. The only good thing about that, okay, I've got 247500 of interest to carry over, but I could take bonus depreciation. Probably not too likely that I would, you know, I'd rather have a $247,500 deduction. So, so what they did is say, well, I want to make sure I can deduct this interest. So you work through this other calculation, and basically you work through the other calculation. We don't have time to get into it, but you'd be able to fully deduct the interest in that calculation. They let, let you off the hook. But the catch is you can't take bonus depreciation. So very complicated rules, extremely complicated. Um, but I think most dealers are probably going to uh, end up probably being, you know, being okay. They're going to have to be okay not taking bonus depreciation um, just because the interest is so significant in relationship, right, to your profit. I mean, you know, it's just, it's just part of the cost of doing the, of being a dealer and you can't, you can't afford not be able to deduct your interest. So, right. Okay. So if you are a dealer that leases, say 
I, mean, I guess I'm, I'm a little confused. So if, you, if you're a dealer that leases, say, uh, vehicles, right, you lease your, the vehicles that your, your sales reps drive or your parts guys drive or, or whatever that might be, yeah. how does that work into this deal? Okay, so you're talking, I think you're talking about, you know, vehicles that you don't own, the dealership doesn't own, they're leasing them from somebody else, right? Right, yep. I think is what you're saying. Right. So that's totally fine, because mm -hmm. lease expense is fine. What I'm talking about is you actually, the dealership owns some equipment. Oh, okay. And they lease it out to farmers, right, oh, right, right for right. on operating leases, yep. where they are, you know, it's inventory available for lease, and so... It's, and you would you obviously you you own the equipment so you're paying interest right to somebody because you know you still own the equipment right the right. farmer doesn't own the equipment the, the farmer's not paying interest right they're paying lease payment to you so you've got the interest expense because you still own the equipment your leased fleet so if you want to be able to deduct all that interest you're probably going to have to give up bonus depreciation um, now. You might remember there's a hundred percent bonus depreciation now. You know, used to there was maybe it was only fifty percent bonus or thirty percent bonus. So it's it's crossed. You know, it's went around. But but that's the give is if you want to make sure you can still deduct all your interest, you're going to have to just not be able to maybe write off your the leased equipment quite as fast as you used to. Um, that makes sense. So in theory, if you have a hundred thousand dollar piece of equipment, right, you could write it off a hundred percent with bonus depreciation. Um, That'd be, a, that'd be an expense of $100,000. And maybe the farmer only paid you, you know, $15,000 lease payment or $20,000 lease payment on operating lease. That would be your income. So you'd have a net negative, you know, loss, right? If I'm using twenty grand of lease income, $100,000 of depreciation, I've got an $80,000 loss. So they're just not going to let you kind of do that. Right, because that eight thousand dollar loss could could offset some other income you might have. They're not going to let you take that heavy, fast depreciation if you want to be able to still deduct your interest. So gotcha. it's probably not a huge. I mean, it can be a big deal, but as long as you're kind of okay writing off the equipment that you're leasing to somebody else over the life of the lease, right? You know, hey, just kind of gradually expensing it. Um, not a big deal. But if you're if you're looking for that heavy depreciation, you're gonna you're gonna be caught between a rock and a hard place. Gotcha. Okay. So what you're saying is if I have uh, 10 or 15 combines that I'm going to rent to customers during wheat harvest or yep. corn harvest or whatever else, those that falls into that, that realm. Yep. Gotcha. Yeah. So I, I don't know, you know, how you normally would depreciate those, but, but if, you know, if you don't, you know, if you create a big loss and you can't use it anywhere, there's no real point in taking all this heavy depreciation. If you're, if you're just looking to take as much depreciation to offset your lease income, then it might not a big deal but um it gets tricky um because potentially then you could be taking those combines that you own right and then you trade those off to somebody else and get you know get different combines um normally old and old rules you could ex you would not have a gain on sale of a trade we've talked about this several times right so if the, the equipment dealer could have a similar situation as any anytime they trade off some of their inventory they would potentially have, they would have this leased inventory I'm talking about, something that you actually started depreciating. This leased inventory, they trade that off. You'd have a gain equal to the trade-in value, right? Just like you sold it. So you'd have this big gain. Now, normally they say, well, that's okay now because I'll just be able to write off my new, the new item and those will wash, right? We've talked about that several times, like from a farmer perspective, it's not that big a deal. 
But think about what we just said. If a, if a farm equipment dealer is now precluded from taking bonus depreciation because of that interest thing, then they're going to have a real challenge if they trade off their leased um, farm equipment. They're going to trigger this gain on the trade and not be able to write it off 100% unless they could technically still take like Section 179 expense up to a certain limit. But um, it, it could be a problem um, from that perspective, too. Again, because you're, you're voluntarily giving up bonus depreciation. So you may not be able to write off that gain on the trade. So that's just something to be aware of, too. Right. Well, like normal, Glenn, there's lots of stuff to consider here, and you're you're on top of it because you've read all 450 pages of the uh, yeah something uh, like that. Uh, of the, <laughs> of it's, the code. Uh, yeah, this is it's one of the bigger revenue raisers out there because they're they're trying to tell people you know this could be other partnerships, investment you know type funds and stuff. Hey, don't use in effect they're kind of saying don't use as much debt you know because they're not going to let you possibly deduct it. Um, immediately and, and so it is it's one of the biggest revenue raisers out there but it's yeah. gonna it's so complicated because it affects these more you know complicated partnerships and, and things and, and how you pass out this hey this is your share of the interest expense that you couldn't deduct this year here it is try keep track of it on, at your personal individual level and then next year when when possibly there is income that flows out you'll be able to take that carryover interest expense and offset it so it's it creates a whole lot of uh, additional tracking at the uh, partner partner level, potentially. So it, it can get real messy. And you know, a lot sometimes, right? The the tax preparers prepare the entity returns, the partnership returns. You know, maybe they're not the same as you know the the tax preparers that prepare the individual personal returns. So they're just going to have to be more communication. You know, making sure we're we're talking to each other, and and, and it's just going to be confusing. If you've got um, a partnership interest in particular that you that you're invested in, and, and they're using a lot of debt, right on, man. Okay, well, Glenn, hey, this is one of those things where you're going to absolutely need someone, a tax advisor, or somebody like that, to to kind of help you wade through this. So, if folks want to reach out to you, ask some questions about this, or just kind of get pointed in the right direction, how would they do that? Yeah, it's best to call our office at Heinold Banworths. Uh, we're based in East Peoria, Illinois. Our phone number is 309-694-4251. And then, you know, look me up on Twitter. My handle is at Glenn Birnbaum. Right on. If you guys aren't following Glenn, make sure you do that. I know I say that every, every week here, but, he, I mean, the stuff he puts out there is very pertinent information. And not only is Glenn putting it out there, but he has a lot of other tax professionals kind of weighing in on what he puts out there so there's a lot of great information out there for free so check it out and uh get a hold of glenn if you got any questions and glenn till uh next week we'll talk to you then buddy okay casey thanks well that's going to do it for this edition of the moving iron podcast remember if you want to continue any of these conversations you can hit me up on facebook twitter or instagram at moving iron llc you can also send me an email at moving iron podcast at moving iron you can also visit the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel. Here you can find Morning Market Roundup with Chip Nellinger and Angie Setzer. Also, Tax Moves with Glenn Birnbaum. Moving Iron Podcast is proud to be part of the Global Ag Network. The network is going live soon, so check out globalagnetwork.com for more details and updates. 
You'll be able to hear Dryline Farmer Podcast, Girls Talk Ag, the Top Soil Podcast, Ag News Daily, Working Cows, Heifer Please, Throwback Iron, and Ask Agnes. Please visit movingironllc.com. Here you can find information, details, and updates for the 2019 Moving Iron Summit in Nashville, Tennessee. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can leave a review and subscribe at your favorite podcasting platform. And you can find this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and SoundCloud. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour. Out. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here.